Welcome to A Christian and a Buddhist Walk Into a Bar. My name is Jamal and I'm a Buddhist. I'm Jacob, I'm a Christian. And Jamal, how has your week been? How are things going in Jamal land? Oh, in Jamal land, um, things, are, things are pretty good. Um, I started a new job recently and that is taking up a lot of my time and a lot of my uh, mental capacity. However, it is significantly more stimulating than previous job was which means that you know even though I'm working probably an extra 30-40% on what I was working before um, I'm actually enjoying it a lot more and finding myself much more kind of content and satisfied with life on the whole so you know I'm it's a win all around. Nice excellent hopefully you've got enough brain power to navigate the article that we've got to discuss and the topics we'll get through today. I never have enough brain power for anything but I'll try my best. Well, so I brought along an article this week, which is um, by Paul Bloom, who's uh, from Yale University, uh, and it's talking about his book, The Sweet Spot, Suffering, Pleasure, and the Key to a Good Life. Well, it sounds like my kind of book. Uh, it sounds like I, I should order this book, actually, shouldn't I? <laughs> um, he argues that people don't just want to seek pleasure. Um, and the, the article is titled, Hedonism is Overrated. Um, and just well, to kick off, what's, what's your reaction to uh, that title Yes, and that concept? Correct. Excellent. Correct. Cool. Well, thank you very and much and for and joining us on a Christian and a Buddhist next walk into a <laughs> No, I, I, look, absolutely. I mean, uh, I mean this, this is an absolute core part of Buddhism, right? It's this idea that pleasure-seeking and um, craving and wanting to just experience the good things in life is a recipe for disaster. So yes, um, I'm, I'm all on board with this already. Okay, well, so what do you make of his solution then? So he said, we, we don't just seek pleasure, but we want to live meaningful lives. Uh, but it follows for Paul from this, that we then willingly experience pain, anxiety, and struggle. We see value in chosen suffering. Um, and if the problem of the world in Buddhist theology is that we form attachments to things and that leads to suffering and it's suffering that is the, the worst thing that can happen, is this the solution to hedonism? Do we find meaning in chosen suffering? Yeah, so that, that's that's interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I like the approach. I think it's, um, I mean, it, it gels with me on a lot of levels. So mm -hmm. um from a purely non-Buddhist level in the first instance, um, I am what I would describe as a type B fun kind of guy. Um, so type A fun being the kind of, uh, it's very enjoyable now, but maybe a little bit problematic later, like going out drinking all night or, yep. you know. Uh, Doing things really that nice we won't talk about on a family podcast. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Is this a family podcast now? <laughs> I, I should back, we should delete the last three episodes maybe. Um, it's like, well, that, that would be hedonism yes. almost in that type A, right? Correct, yep. yes. Um, and so, so we should I, probably say what hedonism is. Yes, yeah, so before Jacob, we go too Jacob, much further. What is hedonism? Well, it, it's a um, one of the older Greek philosophies that that basically argues that the the value of life is pleasure, and you should go about your life in such a way as you maximize pleasure in everything that you do, and and everybody should just be this pleasure seeking um, individual. It is the anti-Buddhist philosophy, I would say. It goes back to, I think, a guy called Epicurus. Yes. Um, yeah. Yes. Um, you can Google him later. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe 
got one one for the for the homework. Um, so yeah, so type A fun is that type of type of fun where you you do just enjoy and you know, it is the hedonistic fun. Yep. Um, type B, YOLO, you'd have a good time, not a long time. Exactly. Yep. Type B fun is kind of the the flip side of that, which is the the kind of fun that isn't necessarily enjoyable now, but uh, really leads to kind of deeper levels of um, satisfaction and contentment later on. So you know. As somebody that willingly engages in multi-day hikes, uh, long-distance running, um, all of these various kind of uh, adventure activities in my leisure time, uh, I am very much on the Type B fun kind of um, kind of thing. I, for example, tomorrow I'm running a unspecified distance that will certainly hurt me, um, but I'm very much looking forward to it. So yes, I, I I think from a personal perspective, I do feel like I like this um, this attitude and this idea of, yeah, select pain. Um, and I think it, it's, I wouldn't necessarily call it a Buddhist attitude. I think the, the Buddhist attitude might be less around choosing the suffering you have and more about acknowledging and accepting the suffering you have. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, the, the Buddha never really went out and said, hey, uh, don't go and crave nice food. Instead, go and, you know, uh, you know, go and you know, starve yourself and, and don't eat much. And you know, yes, that'll also be bad, but, but at least it's you know, a choice in the right direction. Like, that's very much not what the Buddha spoke about. Mm -hmm. Um, but I do think this article really speaks to a kind of a personal approach that I've taken to life that I think is very heavily informed by my Buddhism. So, mm -hmm. my approach is very much, um, I don't aim to seek to avoid. Pain. Um, I don't. I don't really ever consider. Oh, is this going to be painful? And that means I shouldn't do it. Um, I think about the things I would like to do and the things that I would feel like I gain a lot of satisfaction from, and I go and try and do those things and involve myself in those things, acknowledging that pain is likely to be part of what it takes to do that. Is that not ultimately like seeking pleasure? as well right like so part of the running unspecified distance many multiples of kilometers more than i've run in my life that you're <laughs> doing tomorrow right um surely part of the appeal of that is knowing how you feel at the end and the satisfaction of having achieved something that, that's kind of pleasure right it, it is but I, I think pleasure is the wrong word and i think this is where we get into semantics but also kind of important semantics I all semantics are important <laughs> exactly and, and and this this i think is the thing where it's like you know a lot of people would go oh well like aren't you just you know aren't you seeking a different kind of pleasure aren't you craving a different kind of thing and i think the distinction here is that for me i don't seek pleasure and i don't seek happiness. I kind of seek satisfaction and contentment. Um, I feel like I angle my life towards looking for a sense of peace and satisfaction and kind of positive feeling towards what's going on rather than something I would define as pleasure, which I think is much more um, much more kind of physiological and that kind of thing. Um, and I know that's a... So it's kind of mental, emotional as opposed to... Dopamine hit. Yes, pleasure. exactly. Yeah. yeah, and I think that's kind of what's being what's being spoken about in this article, right? It's this idea that that science is increasingly showing that people who pursue things that are painful from a kind of from a pleasure standpoint 
um, you know, people that pursue things that have pain involved and are okay with that and are, are not kind of just avoiding those things actually end up happier in the long run, right? Mm-hmm. The, the, what, what leads to lasting positive happiness is not actually happiness. It's actually contentment. <laughs> um, and everyone always talks about, oh, you know, you want to be happy. And I, 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 have, I have a lot of fun in life um, saying to people, no, I don't want to be happy. I'm not interested in happiness and kind of seeing their shocked reactions because, you know, um, probably less so in Australia than the United States, but I think we do live in a society that that um, that has this kind of uh, happiness gospel or the, this idea that happiness is what we should all be seeking. Mm-hmm. And, and just on, on that from the article, there's an example of serious mountaineering um, where he says that the pleasures here aren't obvious. Um, it's unrelenting misery from end to end. That's a quote. That's not my view on mountaineering necessarily. Um, mind-boggling monotonous activities, many hours in a small smelly tent crammed in with other climbers, lonely, alienating, bitter silence and disagreements that don't get smoothed over, and yet people do it, then do it again and again, getting some satisfaction that doesn't reduce in any real way to pleasure. Yeah. But that's it's, it's a meaningful activity, clearly, for those people. Absolutely right. And I think that's that's the key, right? I think the thing that people potentially need to feel content in life is meaning, purpose, pride, rather than pleasure, right? Pleasure is inherently transient. Um, unless you are hopped out of your mind on drugs your entire life, you're not going to always feel pleasure. You will always feel a level of pain, you know, the pleasure will disappear and that will suck. And so, yeah, I think when people pursue goals for the purposes of meaning and the purposes of um, of kind of broader values and what they care about, that leads to the deeper deeper satisfaction. I'm interested to know the Christian perspective on this, right? Like, what does God say about, about pleasure and purpose and all these things? I think the, the term meaning is is a helpful one there. Um, choosing something that's valuable for its own sake um, and not just because it's going to make me feel good. Um, but there's also something, the idea of suffering sits in within christian the christian tradition in a way that's really different so far as i can tell to um islam judaism although judaism has got its own particular take on suffering um in that it's it's partly god's nature to suffer um because if if god is most fully revealed in jesus christ and he suffers a horrific kind of death um, and that that is somehow good ultimately is is jesus's death almost a perfect example of this right that it's a it's a huge amount of suffering and a huge amount of very unpleasurable things <laughs> but it's all in the in the in the service of a greater good in the service of a greater kind of goal and um, and purpose for humanity yeah i think so um and and that it is meaningful in that sense, right? But um, e- even more so than that, um, the I, I think I've mentioned this on the podcast before, but the the writer of the letter to the Hebrews, in um, which is in the New Testament, uh, he says that Jesus endured all of this for the joy that was set before him. Um, that that was, and again, joy is not reducible to happiness, and happiness doesn't equal joy 
necessarily on this schema. And and joy is a, a concept that comes up time and time again in Christian theology as as a a deeper way to say happiness. Like it's not happiness; it's it's that some sense of satisfaction and fulfillment and completion and just everything being right. Mm. Um, and that it was for that joy that Jesus went through all of the suffering. But there's the the other aspect that's inherent in that, um, which is markedly different to, to hedonism, which is I just want something that's going to bring me pleasure, mm-hmm. um, is that it's it's not even for your own meaning and purpose, um, but it's, it's an action that has meaning and impact for others. Um, because this idea that uh, that suffering is valuable, to, to put it that way, like that can be misused and abused in a bunch of ways too, right? Like so, there's there's something deeply profound in it that says that a a single mum who is just really struggling to get by and look after her kids, and it just feels like the world's kind of caving in on you every day. Like it says that God understands what that's like and like empathizes with that in a in a very real way, but it doesn't mean that you should then choose that as the best way to live. If that, if that makes sense, like it's a, it, it means it, it means that that suffering um, is not, uh, it's not a purposeless thing and it's not something that you go through alone, but it's also not the best way to be. Yeah, and, and there think, is a suffering that's the best way to be, but that is one that has more agency involved almost. Yeah, it just I, I think it might have been a slip of the tongue or maybe not, but I, I think the um, the word that, that made me think in what you just said then is this idea of choice, right? So I certainly mm-hmm. wouldn't believe that somebody who is uh, a single parent and struggling with life is choosing to live like that. I think that there are a lot of, lots of conditions that, that lead to those kinds of scenarios. And, and there are conditions that lead to people making those choices, right? Like it, it, it could be better than some alternatives. Just to, Yeah. yeah. But, um, but yeah, I just think this idea of choice is interesting, right? Because, and again, the article talks about it, where you, you're choosing certain types of suffering. And I think that's probably the crux of, mm-hmm. I think, yeah. where Buddhism diverts, where Buddhists, Buddhists don't talk about wanting to choose types of suffering, but it talks about accepting types of suffering. It's this idea that there will always be some suffering um and it's the avoidance of suffering that is the issue here and the, like you know sure i could go and i could choose the type of suffering that might be slightly better for me but that's also just trying to avoid the other type of suffering so yeah so so buddhism almost and i think where christianity and buddhism align on this is this idea that you know there is a bigger purpose here right mm-hmm. there, there is a bigger goal there is something we sh- there's something we, sh- we want to be engaging with um, that is more important than just not having that suffering, uh, or the flip side of it, of just having the pleasure. Or in the in the Christian sense, like it, it is the the alleviation of someone else's mm-hmm. suffering, um, and to be willing to bear that um, at the expense of your own potential suffering. Yeah. Um, I, I think there's a um, there's a constant. Is, uh, yeah, no, you go. There's a constant kind of gripe that I think religious people have with modern society. Um, and I think it's religious people of all stripes, right? But, sure. but and I think it is. It gets down to this hedonistic idea, right? I think we live in a society that values hedonistic pleasure more so potentially than, or at least more explicitly than many societies in the past. Mm-hmm. 
Um, maybe not the Romans, I don't know. <laughs> um, but, We're getting there. We're working on it. We're working on it. Um, but, you know, and I think, um, but I think one of the things that, you know, it, it's a stereotype of a religious person who's, you know, a bit more tightly buttoned and a bit less uh, less involved in the pleasures of life and are like, oh, no, it's, it's got to, you got to, you know, you, 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 you've got to work towards some other greater good. And it, it's almost that caricature of the religious critique of modern society, right? And I think we certainly live in a society where the hedonistic principle has won out in mm-hmm. terms of the values of society and what we seek, um, you know, and, and you know, it, it, it's a self-fulfilling cycle, right? We're sold hedonistic pleasures because that gives marketers more money for their products, mm-hmm. uh, which then give them access to hedonistic pleasures. <laughs> and it, just, it just goes on and on and on. But, but it's a value structure of a society, right? Like yes. as, as self-reinforcing as it might be, like there's other conceivable values, value structures, Well, yes, which I, I think is a religious critique. Yes, and I think we're getting to that. And I think there's an interesting push that I've seen, and maybe I've just seen it because I'm interested in it, but um, there's an interesting non-religious push and a non-religious movement around that at the moment, around this idea of you know minimalism and... Um, you know, the whole, uh, you know, Marie Kondo decluttering stuff mm-hmm. and, and all these different kind of approaches which are, you know, recognising the, the harms of, of the hedonistic society and working to understand how how to kind of counteract that and how to better understand it. I think, I think this article and, you know, articles of this ilk, which, you know, I think is very much where um, modern modern psychology is is leaning towards right all, all the kind of the happiness research um and that kind of stuff um you know th- that's starting to play in this space right where it's taking ideas that if not explicitly have been implicitly very associated with religion and kind of going and unpacking and okay well, what what does what does this have right that we've missed over mm. the past 50 years right and there's i was just checking to see if it was this article it's not i'm trying to remember where i saw it but um, somebody quoted Greta Thunberg mm. to a really similar effect, and um, no, it, 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 it is this article, is it? I've missed it. Um, um, about about how she's found. Oh, there it is. Uh, before I started school striking, I had no energy, no friends. I didn't speak to anyone. Just sat alone at home with an eating disorder. All of that is gone now since I've found a meaning in a world that sometimes seems shallow and meaningless to so many people. Um, and I, th- I think that sums up exactly what you're saying but which is also why some religious people um get uh, concerned perhaps around particular ideologies um and and certainly people seeking action on climate change is one that's often targeted as being kind of quasi-religious in its own right that and, and is there is there a sense and it would be interesting to hear the buddhist perspective on this that you can have a can you can you have a meaning structure that is not in some sense religious and we'll talk in a future episode um we we have plans to at some point talk about like what is a religion but is it possible to have a meaning structure that doesn't eventually become in some way religious i would say from a christian perspective involve a worship Mm. of some description um yeah and i I think you kind of you you, you premised that with the with the conclusion, right? Which is it depends on how you define a religion. You know? <laughs> um, yeah, I, I so I mean from a Buddhist perspective, yes, right? Because I think again this goes back to something we spoke about um, I think you know in the last couple of weeks around defilements, right? And like mm-hmm. you can absolutely have a meaning structure that is 
grounded in defilements, that is grounded in uh, delusion, um, where your meaning structure is one that, um, you know, is essentially a, a kind of a, a false narrative that your brain puts in is in its pursuit of pleasure and its avoidance of pain. Um, and, you know, whether or not you'd say you are religiously focused on that, again, I think we get to the semantic points. Mm-hmm. But, um, but yeah, I, I think so. if you define religion as probably what the kind of a lay person's normative understanding of what religion is, the answer is, my answer would be absolutely yes. You can have uh, a worldview and a structure of approaching the world um, that is not a religion. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you are to then define a religion as you know, anything which involves a level of kind of um, worshipful adherence and kind of uh, focused, uh, all-encompassing belief. Then it, and sacrifice. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, and then you start to get into into more tricky spots with that. Yeah. yeah. I find it interesting. Um, I, I I think maybe... So, so to me, I think this is this article is one of... So there's a, there's a constant theme... Uh, amongst Buddhist circles, of like acknowledging and then getting slightly annoyed at the fact that like modern Western psychology is only now cottoning on to the fact that Buddhist ideas are just really good. <laughs> um, you know, like this whole like you know, um, you know, the, the, the idea that um, that you know, uh, acceptance and commitment therapy as a modern psychological practice is just Buddhism, mm-hmm. and that you know, everyone's encouraging mindfulness and. That's just meditation, uh, and, and all these things. And like, and look, I, I I don't think any any Buddhists really are that annoyed by it. I, I think there's so another... it's probably good for more people to be aware of them. Exactly right. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 and as, as Buddhists, we we actually claim the thirty percent of people that fill it out on the census they have no religion. We think they're religious. <laughs> uh, they just not want to say it. If um, you're listening, you can send your objections to that <laughs> statement to christianbuddhistbar at gmail.com. Correct. <laughs> um, so you know, but um. But I think this is kind of doing the same thing, right? So, like, this is, I think, when, when the sorry, I forgot his name. Um, for the article, uh, Paul Bloom. When when Paul talks about like, when when Paul talks about choosing what suffering you pursue, I think that's essentially the kind of the end product of what is actually a Buddhist process here, which is you know, there's step A of acknowledging that everything has suffering. And even the hedonistic pursuits, right? Like, I, th- I think part of the subtext here is that, yes, you can pursue hedonism, but you're just not going to be successful. It's just mm-hmm. impossible to successfully, like, you, you think about you think about the most hedonistic people in the world. You think about the uber wealthy, the people that have as much money that they could legitimately buy any level of hedonistic pleasure they wanted at mm-hmm. any moment in time. And every single piece of analysis says that they're just as miserable as everyone else. Well, and in fact, even uh, potentially more so, right? Like there's analysis, this is across countries, but that when you hit a certain level of income, like, yes, you need a certain level of income to have a life satisfaction, but beyond that point, the returns are either diminishing or negative, right? And it gets worse the higher you get. Correct, right. We have talked about this before, but the the, the Danny Kahneman rule, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, the... so. Essentially, there's this step process, right, where you go, well, okay, let's pursue hedonism. And then you realize that hedonism is completely, you know, non-practical. It's, it's going to be unsuccessful even if you have access to all of the resources you possibly could ever want. You just can't never be not experiencing, you know, you know, yeah, you, you can't 
only ever experience pleasure and you're, you're always going to experience a level of suffering. So you kind of go, well, the premises of hedonism don't work. And once you accept the premises of hedonism don't work, the, the, the step then is going, well, okay, if suffering is somewhat inevitable, if I'm always going to experience a level of suffering, I may as well experience the suffering that is aligned with other things that are going to be positive for me and other goals and like yeah, extreme mountaineering, like you know, climbing to the top of Mount Everest um, is something, although to be fair, that's, you need millions of dollars to do that these days. Well, and that, that's a question that I don't think we've got time to open properly now, but maybe for a future podcast of is it like, like to, to what extent is privilege a factor in this and being able to choose your own suffering? Um, or, or, or like to, to have that agency around it or, or being able to avoid some suffering and, and how does that yeah, work and, in, in a Buddhist framework? Well, and, and that's the thing about that. But I think or a Christian one. I matter. think this goes yeah. to like this, this end point that the psychologist lands on is this idea that, you know, you may as well just choose the suffering that lines up with other things you want, right? Like, you know, <laughs> like you're going to have suffering anyway. And so essentially he's saying, yeah, okay, well, you're going to be better off in life if you select the suffering that aligns with your values rather than just, you know, or at least select the suffering that allows you to do things that align with your values rather than just trying to avoid it at all times. This constant rat race of avoiding suffering doesn't actually get you anywhere. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I don't know. I, I think, I think we do this already, right? I mean, most, well, you know, in, in the current economy, 97% of people have jobs, right? Mm -hmm. um, and people, um, people choose to go to work and I think most people would prefer to not go to work and, you know, they would consider work a level of suffering. Yes. And yet they choose to do it in pursuit of a greater good, which is financial and economic security. Um, I mean, isn't that what we're doing already? We just kind <laughs> of don't, yeah, we just don't apply yes. it to the rest of our life. Like, it, I, 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 I get that there's bigger things to that around, like getting money, being part of the hedonic treadmill, right? Yeah. Um, which is one of my favorite, favorite turns of phrase, the hedonic treadmill. I'm going to steal that. Yeah, you, good. please yeah. get off it. If you're on the hedonic treadmill, get off <laughs> um, but, um, but yeah, you know, um, I, I don't know. Like, I, I think we, we, it, it's almost like this, to me, to me, this is, this is kind of ancient wisdom that is being packaged in a psychological thing, which, you know, if that's how people need to hear it. Great. Like, yeah. I, I have no issues with that. But yeah. Well, so on the, the ancient wisdom piece, I just want to get your take on the, the story right at the end of the piece, which comes from Alan Watts, who is described here as a British philosopher and popular interpreter of Zen Buddhism. Yeah, Alan um, Watts. And he has this thought experiment. Say hi for me. Um, that you imagine that you're able to dream about whatever you want, the perfect vividness. Uh, given this power, you could, in a single night, have a dream that lasted 75 years. What would you do? Obviously, he says you'd fulfill all your wishes, choose every sort of pleasure. It would be a hedonistic blowout. Then suppose you can do it again the next night, then the next, then the next. Soon, he says, you'd say to yourself, now, let's have a surprise, a dream that's not under control, where something's going to happen to me, but I don't know what it's going to be. And then you continue to gamble, adding, increasingly adding risk, uncertainty, ignorance, deprivation. You'd put obstacles in your way, obstacles you might not be able to come until ultimately you would finally dream the dream of living the life that you're actually living today. You see, I, I think that is true, but only for people who I think have accepted this premise and are living these kinds of, you know, acceptance of suffering and not on the hedonic treadmill kind of but, but wouldn't living that life for a few times, kind of, wouldn't that drive you in that direction? 
That seems to be what's his premise. Y- yes, I, as, as, again, I, I agree with it. I think the caveat I would say is that, you know, there are lots of people that are living lives that are the antithesis of hedonism, and it's mostly suffering, and I think, you know, yep. people in that situation might want to, you know, they might end up landing on a, on a type of life that looks more like a kind of, you know, privileged life that, uh, you know, a, an average middle-class Australian might live. Um, but, yeah, so... I, so yeah, the, you can yes, overdo the roadblocks in your yeah. way. Yeah. Yes, with caveats. Yeah. Um, although, do you know what I would dream about, Jacob? What, what would you... It, it's going to be a joke, isn't it? Uh, so I would dream that a Christian and a Buddhist would walk into a bar. Um, <laughs> well, that's probably what we've got time for. No. <laughs> uh, this, this is me trying to get it in, you know, not quite, in, a bit more naturally, but yes. Um, so in my dream, a Christian and a Buddhist walk into it's a, a bar. It's a great dream. I, I feel like I've been there. Yeah, you did. Um, and uh, they walk into the bar and there's, um, there's a nun who's just like walking around in circles, just like constantly walking around in circles. And they watch her for like 10 minutes. Just walking, okay. walking around. They go to the bartender and they're like, what's going on with that nun? Like, why is she just like constantly walking around? And the bartender's like, oh, no, she's a Roman Catholic. Oh. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I, <laughs> the, the column's truth in the Australian, once written by James Jeffries, for, for those of you who have ever come across the Australian, used to describe Kevin Rudd as a holy Roman emperor. And that was, yeah. Yeah, love it. Um, well, I think on that note, um, that is probably all we have time for. But look, I actually like this article. I think this is great. Um, this, uh, yes, this to me is the perfect example of, um, you know, modern secular Buddhism happening right here so you know you, you you found a good one for me jacob i like it excellent i'll, I'll try and top it next time we'll see okay, we'll now, see now i'm in the pursuit of that goal yeah right? Right. <laughs> it's a, it's a, look you might suffer in the process of getting there but i'm sure you can <laughs> sure you can um thank you very much for listening everybody uh this has been a christian and a buddhist walk into a bar if you would like to get in touch with us um if you'd like to send us any articles, um, you know, uh, we would love to hear them. Uh, we are not yet a listener-driven show, but, you know, I have dreams of being a listener-driven show where listeners send stuff in for us to read. and we Obstacles in our path. Yeah, you know. exactly. <laughs> um, so, you know, please do send them through. Um, we can be found at christianbuddhistbar at gmail.com. That's exactly right. All of the music that you hear in the background now is courtesy of Kevin McLeod. So thank you for that, Kevin. All right, uh, we will see you all next week. And until then, um, don't be too happy and, uh, you know, choose your suffering wisely. (laughs) See you on the other side.